Blaze Radio Network, on demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. And welcome, everybody, to The Bonfire here on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you very much for tuning in once again to this week's edition of The Bonfire. Uh, Let's jump right into this. Got some good news. Good news is SoundCloud does not suck this week. If you listened to last week's podcast, you heard me make sort of a a promise to begin each show saying SoundCloud sucks. But of course, thankfully, they seem to have gotten their act together and either informed us or unlocked something. Who cares? Whatever. Point is, things are now seemingly working where all the episodes are up once again, which means they are all found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So there you have it. The four different places that you can listen to The Bonfire, which obviously you're doing right now. So good for you. Good for you. Awesome. Let's jump right into this. This is something that is very... (laughs) It's related to Inception. And that is one of my all-time favorite movies. I believe I've mentioned before that my favorite movie of all time, is sort of, you could say, the trilogy. The Lord of the Rings. Those are several, those are three different movies, yes, but they all go hand in hand. Um, if I had to pick between the three, I would say The Two Towers, but yes, I would say that trilogy, which goes very nicely together, are my favorite. And then second place it would be either Gladiator or Inception. I think those are both just fantastic movies. So, Inception, such a novel interesting original idea that I had never seen before, you know. The idea that you could go into someone's dream, uh, you know, willfully. It's you. And incept, if that's the right word, something into their minds, making them think that they came up with it, and then leaving and thinking, okay, I've just now affected that person's thinking. I did that. I controlled the situation. It's crazy. And obviously it makes a great movie. Great Hollywood production. The news here is, apparently scientists use this unnerving trick to plant false experiences into people's brains. And this is from Brown University. A group of researchers at Brown University have discovered a way to implant associations in people's brains without the subjects being aware of it happening. Working with colleagues in Japan, scientists at Brown University have been studying how a functional magnetic resonance machine, fMRI, can induce knowledge in someone through their visual cortex by sending signals that change their brain activity pattern. This process is also called decoded neurofeedback or DECNEF. So the way I read this article from these scientists is it's it's not too much like Inception. In the movie, you are... Leading the, let's just say the victim, for lack of a better word. You're leading the victim 
down a path that they don't know they're being led down. And they come to a point that they think, oh, there it is. And then they wake up and they think that it was their idea all along. They had no idea they were being manipulated. Here, the scientists at Brown University are doing something no more than Pavlov's dog. Muscle memory. Training. That's what it is. In a recent breakthrough, the group used a new technique to surreptitiously, surreptitiously, there it is, train a small group of volunteers to associate vertical stripes with the color red and horizontal stripes with the color green. The people were taking part thought they were seeing the color red when looking back at black and white stripes, and they had no idea this was happening. So all they were doing were showing these images, vertical lines red, green lines horizontal, And over time, training their eye, like I'm sure they're showing them these other studies, but they'd be showing only those colors when they were horizontal or vertical. Something like that. You were training the eye to associate the color red with that image, a vertical one, or the color green with that one, the horizontal one. Then later, after I think they say a day or two, you show a black and white image of a vertical line vertical lines, your mind, because it got used to seeing red being with a vertical one, it just translated it as red vertical lines. So yeah, Pavlov's dog, just nothing more than training. Granted, you didn't know it was going on. You were being manipulated, but quite not so beautifully (laughs) as in the movie Inception, because to go into someone's dream to be pretty much in complete control and you're not training the victim in his dream. You are implanting a seed which then he takes and grows himself and it develops into an idea and then he says, this is my idea. It's a little more complicated, a little more intense, a little more, shall we say, genuine. Here, it's nothing more than training. But it's still an interesting idea. They found that, oh, hey, we can uh, get people to start thinking something new through the visual cortex. Okay. Pavlov's dog, through the eyes. And that's if you get someone to sit down and go through the fMRI versus a dream. Everybody dreams. You dream anywhere. You dream all the time when you're asleep. I guess only if you get your REM sleep, your REM cycle. But granted, interesting technology that makes you start thinking, okay, well, is this the beginning? Is this the beginning of when you can now go into your doctor's office and say, hey, hook me up. I want you to make me believe that my wife is hot. Train my mind to think that. I want you to train my mind into thinking I'm a good person. Whatever. Who knows? Is that down the road? Very well could be. And something from the Daily Beast says, Is virtual reality for our own memories really such a great idea? And in this article by G. Clay Whitaker, such a G, he says, Probably actually not a very good idea. Now, there's good and bad with any leap in technology. Here in VR, virtual reality, you could relive some memories. If, of course, if you recorded it in such a way, he was saying, hey, there would be a day you could pop on the VR 
and have dinner with your three-year-old boy once again. You could pop it on and go out with your grandma who passed away 20 years ago. Right off the bat, that is, it's a good thing, you know, that's not living in the past. That would say, hey, put on the equipment and then you can go flashback and actually relive it practically rather than just ponder about it, actually see it before your eyes. And we're visual creatures. If you can actually see something, it's going to leave a more, it's going to leave a lasting impression. Absolutely. Now, the flip side of that coin is some of us, or maybe even most of us, would go to a point in our lives that we thought was the best point and say, I'm going to relive this once a week, twice a week, every night. I mean, that's human nature is we do frequently live in the past rather than the present. And we also waste a lot of time with anxiety in our future. But that's out of our control. Cross that bridge when you get here and when you get there. Come on. Easier said than done, yes. So would this VR really be the best thing for us? To say, yes, there would be some good things. The article mentions, hey, people with uh, dementia. Alzheimer's. Maybe this could help. This would help them jog their memory. Okay. Sure. But that would be treating the symptom, not the disease. I don't think. Um, Obviously, there is no cure for Alzheimer's. And that's the worst part. It doesn't just take away who you are. You eventually forget how to breathe, how to eat, how to swallow. That's that's why it's so tragic. That's how you die from it. You don't die because, oop, well, can't remember anything anymore. I forgot what I did yesterday. No. You forget in a second how to breathe, how to take a breath. Anyway, VR would not help with that. So would it be a temporary measure to maybe jog the memory of people who have it? Maybe. Okay, sure. It could also be for the people who peaked in high school who are now in their 40s and they sit around at home and they do nothing but sit in the VR and relive the glory days. People are going to do that, absolutely. If this technology continues. So should we? (laughs) There is some crazy technology coming. In today's world. And I talked about a little bit about that idea on the last podcast. You know, Westworld, the TV series, the idea of AI. It's no longer really science fiction. The Jetsons used to be science fiction. It was a cartoon. But a number of those things, you're like, okay, I kind of do that now. Or, wow, that's right around the corner. Or, wow, we've had that for a while. Yeah. Technology is skyrocketing unlike any other time in history. So, you know, these questions come up. Should we continue? Can we do it? Absolutely. I'm sure we can. But should we pursue this VR and these FMRIs? FMRIs? Let me see. (laughs) Pursue this technology to FMRI, yes. Pursue the technology to make people think things differently. That's the beauty of human nature, is you're an individual, think what you want. And that's why we debate 
We talk. Dialogue. You give people the option to trick themselves into thinking something. Perception is reality. I don't think that's a good thing. If you give someone a VR and say, hey, guess what? So far, we've recorded pretty much any part of your life. You can now go back and relive whatever you'd like. We're going to find the best moments and relive those over and over and not be in the moment and be stuck at home, locked up on the computer. Or, as also often happens to our kind, we will get depressed. We'll kind of revel in it and feel sorry for ourselves and relive some of the tragic moments over and over. It's not the healthiest thing in the world. So, should we? Even though there might be some benefits, is it really the best thing in the world for us to be pursuing VR and Inception? I think not. I think there are other more important things. Better ways to spend our money and our future, our time on, you know, technology that could help the world. And this sounds very cheesy. It sounds like I'm in the Miss America contest. There are people who have a basic lack of toilets and running water in the world. That is far more important than any VR. So, that's just my opinion. So there you go. There is the uh, the serious, the important part of Bonfire. And let's see, what do I have coming up? I got nothing but good stuff. Coming up in the final three blocks of the show. <laughs> the final three blocks of the show. This is only the first part. In the final three quarters of the program. Coming up. Why I'm a fan of Deep Impact, but not Armageddon. This is the Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. The other day, to help celebrate the 4th of July, I don't remember if it was actually on the 4th or not, but I decided to whip out a movie. I decided to watch Armageddon, because I hadn't seen that in years. And somewhere, I'd say maybe 30 minutes into the movie, I I wouldn't say I regretted it, but I felt left down. I felt let down. That is because I'm a bigger fan of Deep Impact. So as I'm watching Armageddon thinking, wait a minute, I forget what happens here. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking of Deep Impact. Okay, that was the other movie. Okay, let's watch what happens here. Okay, oh, well, that, was, that was weird. Okay, well, let's, oh, maybe that's coming up. Oh, wait, no, <laughs> that was the other movie. Oh, okay, yeah, this movie sucks. So both came out in 1998. I'm not sure how that happens. It's like... I don't know. I swear there was another example of this. Um, movies that happened in Hollywood in the same year, and you're like, ooh, did y'all coordinate that? Because one of y'all stole the idea from the other. I, I don't know. I can't, I can't think of any uh, modern, 
modern 1998 any uh, uh modern movies but needless to say deep impact i liked it more it has a 48% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, whereas Armageddon only has 39. Okay, good. It seems that the majority of critics and people are on my side with this. Deep Impact was only two hours. Armageddon was two and a half. Armageddon had... Um, what's his name? I was about to say Ben Stiller, and that is definitely not right. Ben Affleck. Armageddon has Ben Affleck. Deep Impact does not have Ben Affleck. That is why I like Deep Impact. He was just so irritating in Armageddon. I couldn't stand it. I saw him and I saw him in Batman versus Superman, and I thought, okay, he's actually not too bad of a Batman. He can be the pouty, kind of quiet, moody, emotional person that he is. All right, I guess you could pull off the Batman at a later time in his life. But when it comes to Armageddon, you're not funny. You're just annoying. You're irritating. And that is exactly what Bruce Willis, his character, was saying the whole time, except at the end. He said, wow, you were just irritating the hell out of me. I don't like you. I I feel your pain. So either Ben was being himself, or he was doing a really good job at being his character. My gut tells me he was being himself. Just a jackass. So I'm sitting there, I'm kind of cringing in the movie, and I'm like, I don't like you, and... I think you're just awkward, you're weird, I don't think this was the right movie for you, whatever. And then it has Liv Tyler, which is funny because Liv Tyler, Lord of the Rings, Arwen, was in Armageddon. And then uh, Elijah Wood, Frodo, was in Deep Impact. So in the same year, two different Lord of the Rings characters were in two different uh, asteroid movies. I appreciate Frodo, though. Liv Tyler was one of the, I wouldn't say redeeming qualities in the movie, but I, I like her. She's pretty good. Good actress. She's pretty. Bruce Willis, one of the, I guess one of the reasons why I ever watched it in the first place. It said, oh, it's Bruce. Who doesn't like Bruce? Other than that, I don't really like Billy Bob Thornton. He was one of the nasty guys in Armageddon. Movie had really slow pacing. Like I said, it's two and a half hours, which that is about all I can do ever anymore. That's why I really haven't watched Lord of the Rings in a while, because those bad boys are three and a half, four hours Sometimes I just don't have the time for that or the attention span. I just don't. Maybe I did as a kid, but not anymore. So when it's two and a half, I'm kind of always looking down at the clock, wondering, "Wow, when is this? When is this going to end? When are we going to get to it?" I wasn't exactly on edge, kind of watching and waiting in anticipation for the climax. I was just kind of, "Okay, wow, this is this is dragging on." <laughs> That's what it felt like. Deep Impact, yes, it's not 90 minutes. It's two hours. But I felt Deep Impact had more emotional gravitas than Armageddon. Armageddon just tried to be kind of kind of funny, kind of flashy. It was very Michael Bay. You know, he's the one that directed Transformers. Come on. You're, you think Transformers, you think lots of flashes and lights, sounds, music, explosions, and Megan Fox's butt in your face. That's Michael Bay. That's how he rolls. Okay, if you know that going in, you can deal with the movie. I guess I kind of forgot he directed it until I saw the credit. And whoa. Oh, okay. Oh, I remember this now. And then the movie proceeds. It doesn't. It's not really that emotional, I didn't think. It's. I thought it was amateur hour. Special effects were fine, sure, but the characters, I thought there were way too many. Bruce was about the only saving quality. The movie was way too long. 
moments when I thought they were being funny, they weren't funny. I thought the scripting was pretty clunky. Characters having to explain jokes or plot lines, and I'm like, okay, you don't need to say that. I know what's going on. I don't need the character to verbalize to the other character, who also knows what's going on, so that they think the audience can understand. You don't need... Let's not get into that. Anyway, so Deep Impact. Frodo. Frodo. Elijah Wood is a teenager, and he is with his girlfriend. He's minding his business. It's very, you know, small-town America, and they get the news. Oh, there's an asteroid coming. What are we going to do about it? Um, As far as I remember, Deep Impact, they sent up one spaceship. And when things fell through... Spoiler alert! When things fell through, the entire crew realized, hmm... So, we were sent up here to save the world. We still needed to do that. So, we're going to have to ram our ship, because it has the nukes on it still. We're going to have to ram it into the asteroid to blow it up. That's the only way we can actually succeed in our mission and save the world. I like that idea, because they all did it together. They were all heroes. Nobody lost their mind, like uh, Steve Buscemi did in Armageddon. I thought that was just, you know, like, why? It doesn't make a whole... A lot of reasonable sense that he just loses his mind and says, Well, we were all going to die anyway. I decided to have fun. That's just, it seems forced. It seems forced. But when you're up there in deep impact and things are on edge, everyone's really giving it their best shot. They're all highly trained. And it still doesn't work out. They think, okay, all right, well, what's the last resort? I guess we have to sacrifice ourselves. I like that. That's honorable. I have more respect for that plot development. And on top of that, does that save the world? Movies over the end, happy li- happily ever after? No, it still it still got real because it blew up into two pieces. The bigger piece of the asteroid missed planet Earth, but the smaller piece landed in the ocean, and people were still killed. So the planet didn't get off scot free. There was still emotional gravitas. People still died. The world was changed forever. People sacrificed themselves to save as many as possible. And Frodo lived (laughs) with his girlfriend. Actually, she became his wife right there at the end. Anyway, so yeah, there were a number of deaths. Um, It's a serious movie. It's a drama. It's not a comedy. Armageddon tried, I think, too often to be a comedy. It's not that funny. I don't know. So there you have it. That's why I appreciate Deep Impact the asteroid movie that came out the same year as Armageddon. I feel like it was better written, better plot, good development, good pacing. It's a shorter movie. I like the actors, the emotions that are all wrapped up in it, and the the end result, the climax. That, well, the Earth didn't get off scot-free. It's not happily ever after Disney princess lovey-dovey. No. Things got real. I like those movies that have a bit of drama they make you feel like you got some skin in the game. I don't like the movies where everybody gets off and no one dies. And even the bad guy, like, oh, he just, he gets captured and sent to justice. Okay. No, I want to see him die. I want to see him dead. If he's really such a bad guy, let's just end it once and for all. Kill him. I don't know. I don't like the PG approach. Not when it comes to adult movies like this. Deep Impact is not for children. <laughs> okay. So don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't make it all nicey. That's just me. So there you have it. Why Bonfire recommends Deep Impact over Armageddon. So on that depressing news that 
people die, I'll have some good news for everyone on the other side that I think we can all take to heart. And I would think, well, yeah, let's follow through on it. Let's make this happen. Let's make it happen, Captain. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. All right, let's get some good news here. Pasta. Good old spaghetti is not linked to obesity, Italian study finds. Now, before you make any judgments and before I make any comments, let me just go ahead and read a little bit of the uh, report here with the, uh, the findings. CNBC reports, a new study out of Italy suggests that pasta's reputation as a fattening food may be undeserved. Researchers looked at more than 23,000 participants in Italy and found that pasta not only shows no correlation with obesity, but is actually associated with a lower BMI body mass index. The study published in the journal uh, Nutrition and Diabetes is one of the first to zero in on the specific component of the lauded Mediterranean diet. One author points out, our data shows that enjoying pasta according to individual needs contributes to a healthy body mass index, lower waist circumference, and better waist-hip ratio. Mmm, we all love that, the waist-to-hip ratio. All right, basically... It's an Italian study <laughs> talking about pasta. That's like an American study talking about hot dogs. Maybe there's a little bit of favoritism there. Maybe that's just my thought. Second, yes, BMI is really not the best measure of health. I think that's a given. And on top of that, they do have smaller portions over there versus here in America. And the report, it makes a point. Frequently, the spaghetti, the pasta over here in America, is used as a vehicle for other foods like butter, cheese, high-sodium sauces. You need to enjoy it as part of a healthy, well-balanced diet and include things like your olive oil and your fish. And then don't you won't feel so bad about indulging in it. Okay, well, let me tell you, as someone whose metabolism burns 1,900 calories a day if I did nothing but sit around. So that means no exercise, no running, no anything. I'm a couch potato. I burn 1,900 calories a day. So let me tell you, I need more pasta than you just to keep my body weight, which is underweight for my age and my height. So to say that pasta is not linked to obesity, okay, it's like cor- no correlation, correlation causation, it ain't there, because they do walk more over there, so if it does give you some extra poundage, you won't notice it, because you walked it off. Over here, nobody walks anywhere. I like walking. You know, I don't make a point to do it every day, like, oh, this evening I'm going to go for a walk. I mean, that, that could be nice, I just don't do it. 
like I said, I don't really need to be doing a lot more exercise and burning more calories. I need to be trying to sit more, <laughs> lay down more, and eat more. And that's hard enough, if you ask me. So they have smaller portions. They walk more. It's an Italian study talking about its national food. And they just say, hey, combine it with a healthy diet. Okay, duh. We all know that. It's all about that balance. Don't stuff your face with sugar and sweets. And don't, you know, go overboard with your red meat. You got to get your greens in there, too. And it's all good. It's all tasty. That's why I love my spaghetti with spinach and chicken and beef, mushrooms, onions, pizza, fish, mashed potatoes, asparagus, chicken and rice. list goes on and on. So, yes. The report is right that it it does matter on individual needs, the amount that you eat and exercise. That pretty much applies to anything else you eat. So yes, it's a good study, but I'm just going to ignore all the obvious holes <laughs> in the story. I just thought it was an interesting headline. Eating pasta isn't linked to obesity, Italian study finds. Well, good. I guess I'll keep eating it. The other good news is New Zealand is recruiting new residents with land and home deals. I like it. According to The Guardian, the small town of, hmm, Kaitangata would be my guess. Kaitangata. It's an 800-person town, offering low-priced home and uh, land packages to those willing to live and work in the area. So if you wanted to live in New Zealand, now's the time to do it. Unfortunately, uh, hundreds or even thousands of people have already made some inquiries wondering about how to make that dream come true. According to the town, though, they're saying more than a thousand jobs have yet to be fulfilled because there just aren't enough residents to fill them. Workers are currently bussed in to work at the dairy processing and freezing works plants, but the town has decided that in order to fill these empty spaces and jobs, it has to sweeten the deal with land and house deals, such as getting a three-bedroom home for $165,000. That's not too bad. Actually, you know, here in the States. So U.S. dollars, $165,000. And then, you know, if you kind of dropped everything you had here, flew to New Zealand, put down a payment, and was willing to take one of those jobs at the dairy and freezing plants. I'm sure there's other work too, but those are the ones they mention. Then, yeah, you could do it. Now, I'm all for that as long as it's good work. I don't know exactly what the kind of labor there would be at these dairy farms and plants. But I think it merits a visit to New Zealand. I should travel there and give a a country review. The first bonfire review of a country. And then a review of the town, the way of life, the food, the Kiwis. For those of you that don't know that, uh, New Zealanders refer to themselves as Kiwis. Like Americans refer to themselves as Yanks. Yes, Kiwis from New Zealand. Basically, this has me hooked. I would have to uh, currently quit my job, leave all my possessions behind, afford a ticket to fly to New Zealand, and as of right now, live there alone. I don't have a family that I would bring with me. You know, my own family. I have my parents, yes, but they wouldn't do it. 
They would not pack up and leave and go to New Zealand. They like it here. You know, they might visit it, but they wouldn't live there. So for those of you listening, if that appeals to you, call New Zealand. (laughs) Yes, call New Zealand or go online, what have you, and ask some questions. See if this is up your alley, if this is something you should do. Because I do know there are other jobs in the country about um, not, not being a shepherd, per se, but anything involving sheep. That's a pretty big industry for them down there. I'm sure there's fishing of sorts, ports, trade. Or you could just work for Weta Digital and do more Lord of the Rings kinds of things down there. Work with Peter Jackson. Who knows? It's nebulous. Now, on the final side, why I am doing a little experiment with a TV show. A TV show that I have... I have my doubts. And currently, I, I am... Not, I wouldn't say negative, but I, I'm an ambivalent toward the program. A show that I, I don't care for. <laughs> that may change, though. So I'm going to do a live, you know, up-to-date, in-the-moment experiment with Arrested Development. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. Biz Markey was the guy who did that really terrible song back in 89. You got what I Called need. Just a Friend or whatever. Oh, right. You, you got what I need. But you say I'm just a friend. You say I'm just a friend. Ed Markey, not Biz Markey. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. All right, the other day my roommate told me, hey, you should start watching Arrested Development. And I said, hey, you told me that before. And he goes, hey, shut up. So, um, really though, apparently I'm. this was started, this show was 2001 to 2005, maybe, something like that, or 2003 to 2005, I don't know. All I know is I've heard the damn show so many times from people who just wet themselves saying, oh, it's a genius show. It's so good. You should watch it. It's, you, you wouldn't. You'd like it. I, I don't know. You know why? Because back in college, I tried. Watched the first episode. Thought it was weird. And then for some reason, I watched the last episode, which was also weird. So obviously, that's not the best way to approach a series, watching the first and last episodes, nothing is going to make any sense whatsoever. When I mention that, people tell me, hey, you need to invest at least, uh, I don't know, maybe six episodes in and then you'll, you'll be hooked. I'm like, why the hell would I waste my time with six episodes? I, I like the TV shows that hooked me on the first one. Fresh Prince, George Lopez, Gilligan's Island, <laughs> Lost, Last Man Standing, Home Improvement. What's another good one? Uh, it's not called Suits. Uh, White Collar. Those are the shows that after one episode, maybe two, I thought, okay, this is good. I'm going to keep watching. You're telling me to watch six episodes? What the hell is that, half a season? You want me to watch half a season before then I make the commitment to watch the rest of the series? I've just watched half the series. 
So, I'm going to try again as a little experiment. Obviously, I think you can tell right now. I am I'm not impressed with what I've seen. Because the other day, <laughs> I did try again. I said, all right, let's put on the first episode. And I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep in the first episode. I never fall asleep watching TV. I'm the person who, when I choose to watch something, I will invest the time in it. Like I said, Armageddon. I thought it was, it was two and a half hours. I said, jeez, oh, I just spent two and a half hours on that thing. I invested my time in that. I was awake for the whole thing. I do that for TV shows, movies. I like to pay attention. Even if I've seen it before, I'm like, I like to relive the plot. See if I can find new things I didn't pick up on before. Or jokes. Or plot holes that I missed before and think, okay, well, whatever. The writers missed that part, but that's okay. I like doing that. Old movies, new movies. So for Arrested Development... I gave it a shot, fell asleep in the first episode. So here we are again. I will restart because I'm told, hey, Andrew, you were on your phone. You had just eaten lunch. So, of course, you were going to fall asleep. Now, that seems like a cop-out, if you ask me. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, all right, fine. Let's watch it when I'm not sleepy from feeding time. My phone is not on my person, and I'm being distracted. I will devote the attention that I normally do to other movies and TV shows. And I'll give it a shot. I will go as far as I can. And if after several episodes, yes, it's true, it just has not appealed to me, well, then I can say, look, I tried. I really did. People told me to give it a chance. I did. People told me to watch at least six episodes. I did. People told me to put the phone away, stay awake. Try to enjoy it. I did. Who knows? We'll see. And I will give an update over the next coming, probably just going to be a couple weeks. This isn't going to be a long-term project because <laughs> they're 20-minute episodes, you know, short and sweet. So tonight, even, I might go home and try the first episode again. I just, from what I saw, it seemed very much like office jokes, lots of like flashbacks and cutaways and goofy jokes, goofy people, awkward silences and you know, just stupid people. And I'm like, I've seen this before. It's called The Office. Office came out, yes, after this. But unfortunately, I watched the entire Office series first. So I've already had my fill of this type of humor. That's been my impression. I could be totally off. Maybe I am. So here begins the Arrested Development Project. Testing it out. Seeing how it goes. So over the next uh, couple episodes, I will give updates on the situation. <laughs> so... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in again this week. In case you couldn't tell, a little bit of stuttering. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I didn't sleep well last night, but I'm here for you. I am here for you because I feel like sharing my thoughts about once a week. Other than that, as the ambivert that I am, I prefer to shut my mouth. I prefer to sit quietly and listen. Listen to music, TV, friends, or nothing. And just sit quietly. So that once a week, I share my thoughts. Going from inception, in reality, it is now here to a degree. Why Armageddon sucks and Deep Impact is better. And, you know, why you should probably move to New Zealand with a bowl of pasta. Because they're both good stuff. 
Well, as always, find Bonfire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The main website, bonfirethoughts.com. And I am currently working on yet another little little video clip for Bonfire, you know, to share on Facebook. It's another travel video. It's another list, listicle, whatever you want to call it. And it's a pretty good one. It, it has officially gone international now. The first video that I did for Bonfire was strictly the United States. This one is now international. So there you go. You got that to look forward to. So thank you once again for tuning in to The Bonfire. Andrew Herzog, out. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.